first of all, it's, it's a hard act to follow. <laughs> so you, you never come after children, and you never come after your spouse. So um, let, let us pray. Father, we thank you right now for this day, for this moment where you, your people, and your word are about to intersect. I don't know what your people walked into this space in need of, but I declare and I decree in the name of Jesus that it is so. So get me out of the way, Father, as your people hear my voice. They hear you as they see me, Lord. I pray that they see you high and lifted up. Now, Lord, if you will, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer, in the name of Jesus, we declare and we pray. Let the church say amen. <clears throat> now, at St. Luke, we, I would ask people to put your hands together, give God some praise. So why don't we put our hands together and give God some praise? <clears throat> and, and, and also in my, my tradition, uh, the black church tradition, uh, if you want the pastor to get to his seat, hit or, his or her seat quick, fast, in a hurry, you start saying amen and pump them up. <clears throat> because if you're quiet, I'm going to be like Paul when Eutychus fell out the window. <laughs> preaching long and long. I, I promise I won't, I won't do that. I, I'm, I, amen. <laughs> you know, I like you. I like you. I, I, and I really, I, I want you to know this. One of the things I think in the church we must recognize when we go, when we, when we're out in the world and people have passion about something, it draws us in. You go to a concert and you have a singer up there and they're just humdrum, not very motivated. But when someone has passion, I mean, I, I was telling Pastor Matt, I said, she's singing with some intensity. But we ought to be intense and have a fervent energy about God when we know what God has done in our lives. Now, am I right about it? Amen. All right. <laughs> and I just, I love your, your pastor. He is, he is my, my homie, my brother from another mother. He is a good, good man. And you are blessed to have him as your pastor. He has vision. He has a heart for God's people. And he truly is in tune and seeks to be connected with, with God. And, and I know we, we say this all the time. You know, he, <clears throat> he's a, I think he's a, a, a great preacher um, and a great pastor and a great person. And, and let me be very clear, you know, good preaching is easy to come by. I mean, preachers, they're, they're, they're preachers that can, you know, you can turn on the TV and find some good preaching. But preachers who are good may not always be one and the same. And I think your pastor is one of those who are good, who's a, not just a good preacher, but someone who is good. And I celebrate him. Why don't you give God some praise for, for, the, for the man, the myth, the legend, Matthew Ruffner. <clears throat> so I, I'm going to read a scripture real quick and then jump into this, this word. Uh, in Matthew, Mark, the 15th chapter, verse 1 through 5, it says, Very early in the morning, the chief priest with the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. <clears throat> Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? 
So how, see how many things they have accused you of, but Jesus still made no reply. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. I, I know we just celebrated Easter last Sunday and, and I'm going backwards. We should be pastor, you know, we, we're, we got him out of the grave, but you taking him back to Pilate where he was, you know, uh, officially tried, convicted. But, but I think this text in particular illuminates a question I want to ask you on this Sunday morning. And it's simply this. Are you on the wrong side of history? I want you to, this is what I do at St. Luke. So I'm, I'm used to St. Luke. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you on the wrong side of history? So this is legitimately a, uh, a transcript from an actual radio conversation of a U.S. naval ship with the Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland on October 1995. The Americans said this, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadians responded, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avert a collision. Americans respond, this is the captain of, the, of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. The Canadians said, no, I say again, you divert your course. The Americans responded, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic fleet. And we are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. And I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That is one five degrees north or countermeasures will be taken to ensure the safety of this ship. The Canadians responded, this is a lighthouse, your call. <laughs> the USS Lincoln thought it was on the right side of history. And I ask us today, in, in, the, in wake of all the crazy that's going in our world, Going on in our world, are we on the wrong side or the right side of history? We must ask ourselves that question personally and collectively. 30 years from now, we just had a children's moment, but 30 years from now, will our children look back? Will our grandchildren look back and say, were they on the right side or the wrong side of history? And we must ask ourselves that question. And I just want to offer up a, a few points as we consider this question to assess whether we're on the right side or the wrong side of history. The first thing I want to offer up is this. We must recognize whether or not we are, being, are, we, are we operating in fear or faith. Are we operating in fear or faith? Faith over fear. Are we approaching life from the position or the perspective of fear or faith? If your response 
Hear me now. If your response is based on fear and not faith, you are likely going to wind up on the wrong side. Think about this, my brothers and my sisters. That's why Paul says in 2 Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of sound mind. And when we look at today's text, when we look at this text, as we go back, the people who had Jesus arrested thought they were on the right side of history. In verse 1 and 2, it says, Very early in the morning, the chief priests, the elders, the teachers of the law, the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. They were in the majority. They controlled the political, economic, religious institutions in their community. But I want you to understand this. They were not evil. In Christendom, we, 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 we have marked the people who handed Jesus over as evil. But they were not evil. They were fearful. Don't miss that. They were not they, they, they were simply trying to protect their interest. They were simply trying to preserve their religious freedoms or their religious tradition. They were not evil. They were fearful. Because Jesus, they, they, they were afraid. They, they were afraid of the unknown. How many of you are not afraid of the unknown? They were afraid. They were afraid of change. The only person who wants change is a baby when they need their diaper change. <laughs> they were afraid of change. They were afraid of losing control. And Jesus threatened the order. Jesus threatened the structure, the tradition, their way of life because he was gobbling up people, drawing people in, and he was speaking a new language that people were respect, receptive to because Jesus was speaking truth to power. He was advocating for the poor. He was siding with the least of them. He was indulging with social outcasts. He was challenging the law and the doctrine. Remember, Jesus healed somebody on a Sunday. That was not written. That was not part of the rules. He ran out the money changes. Mess with folk money, they will go after you. His popularity grew, y'all. And understand, fear built a campaign against Jesus. Not evil people, but fear. And so the, they came after Jesus in chapter 27 of Matthew. It acknowledges, remember, when Jesus entered Jerusalem on the back of the donkey... They cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And a few days later, the same people who called, celebrated him, did what? They said, crucify him, crucify him. Because of fear, they campaigned against Jesus. I just want to challenge us and remind us and hope that you recognize, am I operating out of faith? Or am I operating out of fear? And God, does not, God has called us to faith, not to fear. They put their, they allowed their fear to put them on the wrong side of history. The, the other thing I want you to recognize as you assess whether or not you're on the right side or wrong side is this. Keep asking yourself the question. Keep asking the question. The question 
My, my son, who's now a freshman in Atlanta, Georgia, at Morehouse College, he's still in school. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, boy. But my, 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 my son, his senior year in high school, every day we ask the question, where are you going to go to college? And he got tired of us asking the question, and we loved it when people would connect with us, and they say, hey, Ford, where are you going to college? Because we wanted to know the answer. He did, he, it got on his last nerve. We kept asking him the question, where are you going to college? But understand, he needed to answer the question. And I think we need to continue to ask ourselves, am I on the right side or the wrong side? Not what people think, but God, 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 not, not Pastor Ruffner, but God, am I on the right side or the wrong side? Am I on your side? See, some of us want to be on, we want God to be on our side. Well, we should be asking the question, am I on God's side? Every day we wake up, we should be asking that question. The decisions we make, God, is this the right side or the wrong side? How we treat people, is this the right side or the, the wrong side? Am I on the right? Benjamin Franklin used to have a daily question that he would sleep the day off with. The question was, what good shall I do this day? And then at the end of the day, he would ask a question of himself. What good did I do today? We got to keep asking questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. I grew up in a tradition. I, now, let me be very clear. I grew up Baptist. I'm now a Methodist pastor. But I grew up in a Baptist church, and you don't, ask, you don't question God. You don't ask questions. But I believe we got to ask questions. Understand this. This is like a children's moment. God can handle your questions. We have to be quite careful that we find ourselves by asking the questions. If we're not careful, if we're not, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves on the wrong side. Don't miss this. Using the right material to justify it. I'm going to say it one more time. If we're not careful, we will find ourselves on the wrong side using the right material. Remember, it was God's holy church who undergirded an institution called slavery and fought to preserve it. How many of you are familiar with the King James Version of the Bible? We don't use, uh, you know, doubt, wilt, just, you know, bestoweth, all that. We, we don't use it anymore. You're familiar with the NIV, right? We're familiar with the Message Bible or the Amplified Bible. But you, did you know there was a slave Bible? In 1807, there was a version of the Bible called the Slave Bible. And for, there were sections out of 14 of the 66 books that was used to promote slavery. The other books were ignored and were not used to reinforce slaves' obedience. Much of the Old Testament was left out except for Noah's curse of Ham and Canaan. And Joseph as a slave. 
And any reference of liberation and equality was cut out. If we don't ask the questions, y'all, if we're not careful, we could find ourselves on the wrong side using the right material. And I'm so grateful. I don't know if you're familiar with John Newton, who started out as someone who transported slaves from England to the Americas. And at some point, he started to ask himself the question, am I on the right side? Or am I on the wrong side? And in that process of asking the question, he realized, even though he was getting paid pretty well, he was on the wrong side. And out of that whole experience of asking himself the question, he wrote, a, he wrote the words to a song that we sing in the church this day. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Understand, my brothers and my sisters, if we don't ask the questions, we can find ourselves in a place and posture that is not on God's side, on the wrong side. Keep asking the question. The other thing I want you to understand is we assess this question. Am I on the right side or wrong side is this. Our silence and inaction are allies of the wrong side of history. Let me say that one more time. Our silence and inaction are allies of the wrong side of history. Dr. Martin Luther King puts it this way. The ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by bad people, but the silence over that by good people. I want you to ponder this as, as, as we go back to the text. The text, why did Jesus go silent in this text, y'all? Notice in verse 5, the text says, so Pilate asked Jesus again, aren't you going to answer and the text reveals, he says, so many things have been accused of you. And the text says, but Jesus still made no reply. We're talking about Jesus, y'all. Jesus, the one, when the woman touched the hem of his garment, she, he said, who touched me? On this, he was silent. The one who said, rise, and Lazarus got up. The one who told his mama, why are you bothering me about turning water into wine? I'm going to keep this party going. <laughs> but in this moment, Jesus was silent. Why was Jesus silent? I believe Jesus was silent because Jesus needs us to speak out. You know, Jesus don't need us for a lot, but sometimes he shuts up so that we can shout out. He stands down so that we can step up. He calls us to become his feet, his hands, his eyes. Jesus is calling us to speak out. And I need you to recognize this, my brothers and my sisters. Jesus offered no defense. Per the Roman law, his silence forced Pilate to render a guilty verdict. And I believe your silence and inaction forces our silence and inaction forces God to render a guilty verdict against us. So when God, in Matthew 25, when the word says, when I was hungry, guilty because you didn't respond. 
When I was in prison, guilty because you didn't respond. When there was injustice and you stood by and watched it happen, guilty because of your silence and inaction. God is calling us to be on his side, and that's the right side. And as I wrap this thing up, or do I have... See, I got another 30 minutes at St. Luke. <laughs> but I hear, here I just have three minutes. Amen. <laughs> no. So as a quick, quick aside, you know, I, part of our tradition is we, we used to at St. Luke, we used to hold service about two hours. You know, it's truly dynamic. There's a whole lot of things that, so we now are at 75 minutes. So hour and 15 minutes. I tell people, that's the best 75 minutes of your week. That's what I want worship to be. Uh, but it also means that I've had to curtail, you know, my antics in, in my sermon so that we can get it done in that hour and 15-minute time frame. So I'm, I'm, I'm finished. I'm, I'm almost there. I'm about to bring it home. Here, here's my, and, and you know you're in a, a, a church where they hold long is when the pastor says, uh, this is my last point, and he said that three points ago. <laughs> So I, I want you to consider, think about this, my brothers and my sisters. As followers of Jesus, that's who we are. How do you know you're on the wrong side? How, how do we know? Is it our doctrine? I, I told you I grew up Baptist. I started a non-denominational church. I'm now United Methodist, and I'm preaching at a Presbyterian church. You know, is, is, it, our, is it doctrine that, that puts us on the right side? Is, is it our theology that puts us on the right side? Is it our politics? Oh, Jesus, have mercy. And I would submit none of the above. I, I know somebody's about to, you know, put me on a cross because some of us are just bound by our doctrine. But I want you to understand none of that puts us on the right side or the wrong, acknowledges whether or not we're on the right or the wrong side. I want you to remember this. Always keep what was Jesus' motivation? Because it will never leave us astray, lead us astray. Jesus' motivation. I want you to always keep that at the forefront, not your doctrine, not your theology, not your politics, but keep Jesus' motivation at the forefront. It will never leave us astray. Jesus' motivation. Jesus' motivation was never about power. Jesus' motivation was not to build a brand. Jesus' motivation was not to get a whole lot of TikTok followers. Jesus' motivation was not to get paid. Jesus' motivation was not to gain material gain. His motivation was never to be on Forbes' list. His motivation was never to be on Time's list of the most influential. His motivation was never self-preservation. It was never self-promotion. It was never self-interest. Jesus' motivation was not about pride. It wasn't about ego. It wasn't about winning. Understand this. Jesus' motivation was not to tell his enemies, I told you so. But Jesus' motivation was love. Everything, don't miss this, everything Jesus did was for love. God sent Jesus as John 3.16 says, for God so what? Love the world. 
God said, Jesus, because of love, Jesus even left glory for love. Jesus was born on the wrong side of the tracks for love. He healed the sick for love, delivered those who suffered because of love. He, came, he brought good news to the lost because of love. He spoke truth to power for love. He called for repentance because he loved. Jesus wept for love. He was arrested, tried, and convicted for love. They placed a crown of thorns on his head because of love he was mocked spit upon lied on because of love he carried a cross on his shoulders for love he was nailed they put nails in his hands and his feet for love he suffered died and was buried for love but early Sunday love got Jesus up he did it for love and remember when Jesus was challenged about what's the greatest commandment, he said, I'll sum it all this way. Love God and love each other. Jesus did it for love. Love will put you and me on the right side of history, y'all. Love, not my theology, not my doctrine, not my politics, but love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It does not, it is not easily angered. It does not keep no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. It will put you on the right side. Of history. There's a man during the Third Reich, a picture. It's entitled Man in the Crowd. In 1936, Hamburg, Germany. August Landmesser. You see this picture, you see the, the circle. That's him. Everyone else offered the Nazi salute. And at the time, it looked like August, who stood in defiance, was on the right, wrong side of history. And they were on the right side of history. But I want you to also understand August didn't get there on his own. See, two years, for two years, he was part of the Nazi regime. But he met a woman and fell in love in 1933 with a woman named Irma Eckler. She was Jewish. And because of his love for her, he renounced Nazism. And in that picture, demonstrated that I may not be in the majority. I may not have folk on my side, but I'm on the right side of history. Because of love. And I want you to know that love will put us all on the right side of history. I think there's a song we used to sing in the church. It says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shores, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my declaring cry, and from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. It was love 
That lifted me. Love will put us on the right side. I have a question for you on on this day. Are you on the wrong side or the right side of history? Remember, it's faith over fear. Remember to keep asking the question. Remember that our silence and our inaction are allies of the wrong side. And remember, Jesus' motivation should be your motivation. Love. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now. For this convicting, this challenging word. You call us to be like you. You've called us. And you've equipped us. And you've given us what we need. So God, I pray that this word goes forward in our lives. So God, we become your hands. We become your eyes. We become your ears. We become your feet. We become love embodied because that was your motivation. So I thank you right now for what you are doing and how you are doing it in us and through us. And God, we want to be on your side. And that's the right side. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give God some praise. Amen.